5: So you want to get off of there Each you need, you make it clear Cruising, cruising, cruising 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 cruising, i it I want some.
4: Every civilized country of the world. Teenage Cruisers brings you the only authentic donkey show ever captured on film. Present, present, present. Serena, the superstar calendar girl from Wii Magazine and Hustler, searches for the man who can give her everything. They'll strip your gears and pop your clutch as the 50s, 60s, and 70s all come together.
2: Welcome to the projection booth. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me once again is Ms. Heather Drain.
3: Cruising, cruising, cruising.
2: Also joining us in the booth today is Mr. Anthony King. Hello, thank you for having me, Mike. Mature March continues as we look at Young, Hot, and Nasty Teenage Cruisers. Directed by Tom Danucci and Johnny Legend, the film is a hodgepodge of storylines and clips that plays like an X-rated American graffiti as we follow a few characters through a long night of hijinks narrated by DJ Mambo Reeves played by Legend himself. It may be kind of tough to describe the plot of this film, but we're going to go ahead and try to do that, and we're going to uh, ruin any potential surprises so you have been warned so heather when was the first time you saw teenage cruisers and what did you think
3: My story with this film begins actually when I was a kid and I remember seeing like either like in a, I want to say like in a Rhino Records catalog, I kept seeing the same Johnny Legend and this cartoon of this amazing long haired, long beard guy with dark glasses. And he was always attached to either really cool B-movies. In fact, I want to say he was attached to their Untamed Cinema series, but I could be wrong on that, and Rockabilly. And so... All this time, I'm like, Johnny Legend equals cool. And in the MySpace era, this is how long ago (laughs) my introduction to this film was, he popped up and I started following him and he was promoting the DVD release of his film, Teenage Cruisers. And there was a trailer for it and a safe for work trailer. And I watched it and I was obsessed. It looked hilarious. It looked weird. It looked completely up my alley. So I bought it. And I was not disappointed. My first reaction was complete glory. This movie is my American graffiti, for the record. Um, It's got everything you'd ever want. I mean, it's got insane nymphomaniacs, rockabilly music, switchblade-wielding ventriloquist dummies. It's got every great thing about weirdo, counterculture, cult Americana that you could ever possibly have a checklist for in
2: cinema. How about you, Anthony?
6: My introduction to it was when you invited me on and I saw this title and I thought, oh, excellent, with Heather, no problem. And then I watched it for the first time and the only time I've seen it last night and uh, had a riot with it so much so that my wife looked over at me and she said, aren't you supposed to be watching a porno? I said, yes, it's it's hysterical. It's so funny. And uh, yeah, I, it was it was a blast. I
2: loved it. I was very familiar with Johnny legend because he put together the Sleeze mania collections for something weird. And those were, especially the first one is one that I grew up on uh, watching way too often in high school, still quoting it with friends today, which is bizarre. And I know for sure I must've seen Sleeze mania strikes back and saw that teenage cruisers trailer that you're talking about, Heather. Cause as soon as the movie started up, I was just like, OK, something about this is familiar. And when there were shots of like Serena mooning the guy with the uh all of the cream on her butt and him getting cream on his face when she goes by this guy or the girl praying in fast motion. And then like, I don't know, a zucchini or something gets stuck in her mouth. I mean, they're just like very familiar things. And then, of course, towards the end, when they start doing the cruising, 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 I'm like, OK, I've seen this trailer at least many, many times, and it was nice to finally be able to see the movie that went with the trailer. What a bizarre film. I did not know what to expect, obviously, and I really didn't know that it was going to be this kind of, you know, last week we talked about memories within Miss Aggie. And I was talking about, oh, you know, they have these three very distinct adult sections and you've got the framing device going on in that i was like well they could have been really cheap and taken that framing device and then just introduced three clips in between and said oh well this was me when i was younger even if one of the characters is blonde and our main character is brunette well they're kind of doing that in this one as far as like the pool scene with john holmes and then eventually there's another guy who's at the pool and i'm doing air quotes he's at the pool (laughs) just on the other end of the pool and i'm like okay but i have to say that they cut this stuff together pretty cleverly and made it actually look like it was part of this teenage cruisers movie
3: i've seen other films from this time period that are basically what's called kind of a loop carrier where, you know, sometimes people would just get a bunch of, you know, sort of isolated stag loops and do these wraparound segments. And most of them, most films like that are usually kind of a lot more sloppy. One infamous example is the Michael Finlay movie, um, was it Wet and Willing? I'll call it, AKA Virgins and Heat. <laughs> such a great title and I love Michael Finlay and his wraparound segments where it's him are amazing but the the films that they are in that are so gross I'm pretty sure I actually have gonorrhea from just watching it there's some unclean people in that in that, in that movie. Uh, but you don't have that here. Like, obviously, a lot of cleverness and care went into it, and, and some of the selections are hilarious. Like, there's one that I know we'll get to in a little bit later on, where it's a couple talking, and they have the most florid dialogue with each other. <laughs> and the guy kind of looks like Peter Laurie's like, illegitimate son that just got out of Rikers. It's so amazing, but I hate it because when people think the word porn, they think of the most stereotypical like well nowadays they probably just think of like some random gonzo clip on like Pornhub, but they they probably also might think of like, you know, oh no, how am I gonna pay for the pizza? And but the joy of like into any going to any genre that's kind of under underlooked at is you find stuff like this. This isn't a porno. This is a this is totally a totally occult film with some hardcore sex in it but even half of that's like fake. I mean there's a lot of simulated semen in this movie.
6: <laughs> the porno film I watched last week for the first time was Deep Throat and of course that's a hysterical movie too. Harry Reems is so funny in that movie. And so here my wife is, you know I'm watching these on my computer of course and my wife is watching something on the TV across the living room and and she said, "This is the second porno you've watched where you're like almost in tears, laughing so much." I said, these, "These are like just comedies. These are straight up comedies with, like you said, Heather, some hardcore sex thrown in. And like in in teenage cruisers, like Serena doesn't even really have sex in it. She doesn't get penetrated. She get just gets the you know gallons upon gallons of of milk, thick milk, dumped on her." This is such a great
3: spoiler. Did you guys notice in the cre- the end credits, it, there's a credit that says Serena's Evening Wear by Carnation. And it took me a minute. I have to be honest. I was like, oh, I thought that looked like some condensed milk. She could have made so many brownies with, with that.
6: <laughs> the one thing that really comes through in this is that... Uh, and a lot of times you don't get it in, you know, Golden Age movies is that it looks like everybody's having a super fun time and they're laughing. And Johnny especially just looks like, you know, I assume he's basically playing himself, just like a party animal, joking around the whole time. And that's I have to assume him and Tom kind of made the set nice and easy, the set air quotes, right? Right. Uh, just made things nice and easy, and just wanted everybody to have fun. And and uh, personally, it looks like that comes through, which is which makes it even more enjoyable to watch. I re-listened to
3: the commentary uh, today to refresh my mind. It's like it's a family affair. Johnny's sister, uh, Lynn Margulies, who uh, my husband had to remind me, she. Was basically an inspiration for the Courtney Love character in the, uh, the Andy Kaufman movie, Man on the Moon. She's so fascinating, but yet she's in it. Their father plays Rudy, which is the most amazing, cranky old man in ever in cinema history.
6: I love Rudy so much. Is that the guy sitting out front of the boutique? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, that guy was a real grump. That's so funny. That's his dad. Yeah. Oh, my God. And Johnny
3: Legend, Johnny Legend like, is that guy that everybody wishes was like their cool uncle. That dude has done everything. Like, he, he co-wrote Pencil Net Geek by Fred Blassie.
2: Well, and he directed Breakfast with Blassie.
3: Yes! Like, how awesome is that? Like, shit.
2: And now he looks like an Oak Ridge boy. He's been working on that look for a while.
6: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he looked like a young Oak Ridge boy in Teenage Cruise. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, I'm suing no. the name of of Johnny
2: Legend. I don't, I'm, I'm sorry.
3: Oh, my God. Because now I have Elvira in my head. And it's just, just no. Like... <laughs>
2: Audio is so important to this movie because so much of this looks like it was shot MOS, and then we add in stuff later. I mean, especially when it comes to, I'd say, the last half hour of the movie, when it really gets into the cruising time of it and you are hearing. I mean, I called it American Graffiti, and it really reminds me as far as the way that they use audio as this Landscape, this texture behind everything, where you had Wolfman Jack in this, you have DJ Mambo Reeves in this one, Reeves in this one. So you've got all of that, plus you're hearing like call-ins and just jokes being layered in there. But it really goes all the way back to the very beginning of the film where you have the opening credits and then you have Serena and her friend talking over it. And we already get this whole idea of this, A veteran, Johnny, who was in Vietnam, he got lost, or he was captured, and then he stayed all this time over there, and now he's finally coming back, and so she cannot stop talking about Johnny. And then it's interesting that we move from that into... Where we're getting the audio from, we see a tape recorder and we have this character, Willie, who is recording all of this. So it really, again, adds to the audio texture of the film that he goes around with his arm out with a shotgun microphone in his arm and recording all of this stuff. And he seems to be obsessed with Serena, has all of these photographs of her, and he's the only Real darkness in the entire film. Otherwise, like you guys were saying, it's bright and sunny rainbows all through it, even when you have poor Professor Flinch being basically raped by uh, Babs, the psycho vixen nympho that escapes from what looks like an office park, but I think it's supposed to be a psychiatric institute, and her going around just fiending for cock the entire time. And I do love that when she comes out of the loony bin, she looks left, she looks right, she sees the tail of the pup hot dog stand there, and then we hear about her escapades <laughs> with a foot long later on in the audio again all this stuff being transmitted to us through audio
6: one of my favorite things in movies is is having you know like take the warriors for instance where the dj is kind of moving along the narrative here we have johnny legend or uh, uh, mambo reeve's Doing the same thing with the ads and it's all again, the fun comes through because, because they shoot these scenes, like you said, MOS, and then they have to go through and like with Willie jerking off at the beginnings, you know, somebody's at the microphone just rubbing their hands together and like stuff, stuff like that. Or like Johnny talks about how he had to do the ADR for, was it Professor and Babs? He had to do both of their, Their voices for their, you know, super long sex scene. And it's, again, like, I think just like you were saying, Mike, the audio is so important for this movie. But that's, I think, for me, where the truly fun stuff comes into it.
3: I have in my notes that his name is Mambo Remus. I know somebody on the IMDb comments what Reeves, but I have Remus.
2: It's definitely Remus. I wrote my notes, Remus. I was reading from the IMDb, which is always a mistake.
3: Uh, we've all made that mistake, Mike. At least you didn't put it in an article and have somebody be all like, Why, Heather, excuse me, that's actor. I'm not going to say any names, but... It has happened. The ADR is magical in this movie. Like, Johnny, like, because some of Serena's parts are also Johnny Legend. And, like, when she's outside the door listening in to her friend's sister, quote, quote, unquote, sister with her boyfriend, and which is ends up being a loop with Rick Cassidy and an unidentified woman who looks a lot older than either one of these girls. I was like, are you sure that's not your mom? Like... But as soon as she's listening to Glasses, she starts going, Johnny, you know, because she, she's missing her, her lover. And then her voice gets deeper, almost like she's like a demon. It's like, <laughs> oh, Johnny, like that. And it's it's, <laughs> it's so good. And all of the hit the ADR during the Rick Cassidy, like all of the little, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, like that. <laughs> I was like, like, you almost have like tears, you know, like it's that kind of laughter where you're just, holy crap. And he's even making like little like, like wet noises with his mouth.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Well, a shout out to Serena for that scene, too, because she's having to like masturbate while also hold the cup up to the door with just like the pressure of her head so like and you know she's crouched of course you know shooting porno these poor people are always in horribly uncomfortable positions but here she is by herself and she looks so ridiculous and i don't know like it was one of those moments like where i had tears streaming down my face just laughing at her like this poor woman is having to like contort herself and hold this fucking cup up to the door the whole time with her head Wow, I feel like such a bad
3: feminist because I was just like, "This is hilarious," and her boobs look amazing. But she—I found out she was like actually several months pregnant.
6: Pregnant, yeah. Because yeah.
3: she's—I mean, because she doesn't look pregnant by any means. But like, if you've seen Serena and other things, she's usually a lot more kind of live looking so but i love serena she's she's so great in this just this universe where it's like her like her friend's sister's bedroom door is covered with like male physique photos and she's like oh he's she's into this muscle man like
6: with obviously the tiniest wieners
3: some men are growers not showers <laughs> okay
6: I'm just jealous for their muscles. I mean, I'm a, I'm not, I'm not that guy. So I'm just jealous. That's what Ster- it is.
3: steroids will shrink it though. This is, this is. Consider this a PSA, guys. Anybody listening to it, don't do the juice because you're going to have little nads, and it's just not worth it. And it's also bad for your heart too. So it's <laughs> another reason. But uh, yeah, no, the ADR and the fact that he was able to match up the music because, like, the musical sequences towards the end, like that, takes a really keen. I, you know, to to do that, and the Rockabilly music in this is legit. Like this soundtrack is so, oh my god, it's for even even like with some of the more like incidental music. Like there's like at one point there's like almost like a lounge exotica piece of music. Like if anybody's like into Les Baxter, or Martin Denny, it kind of has that flavor to it. And I just I love it. It's complete like just sonic
6: treasure trove. Did they try to throw in? A Captain and Tenille, love will keep us together. Was that? Do I remember that? I, I feel like I will. I, I, don't, I will. Yeah, I don't know if it was the the real song or if it was you know like a rip off song. But I was like, this is a like a real song happening right now. This is this like throwing me through a loop here.
3: Complete with Remus like shooting his little dart gun, and it ends it, and he just kind of has this like hap like, hmm, yeah, like <laughs> at the great professor's abduction. We have to mention that because Babsy. Before we even get to Babsy, he he pulls out a
6: gun. Horrific overreaction, right? For getting mooned, and yes, he got whipped cream on his face. But but then he like goes around and, and pulls a gun out of his trunk, and I was like,
2: what? Hold on, dude, are you kidding me? But luckily, he doesn't have any ammunition. He has to go to the trunk to get the bullets,
3: and then gets hit on the head with a dildo. <laughs> like you do.
6: Big black dildo, yeah.
3: Can we have some love in our hearts for Babsy Bodine? Christine so DeShaefer, her performance in this is so charming. I love and, and think about it, it's like she's like a silent film actress because she's not doing any any audio. So but just the little looks on her faces where you could see her little mind being like, Ooh, you want this? Huh? Like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, when she's got him gagged and he just keeps saying that he's starving and she's like holding out a boob, holding out another boob, touching her, her vagina, just like – she had some facial expressions that reminded me of the overreacting guy from the Italian Spider-Man short. I don't know if you guys – catch that one but i love love the the right (laughs) i think at one point when she's looking down at his cock she has that look in her face and i'm just like wow yeah and you're right it's like all silent and then just weird little grunts and stuff being put in probably by johnny legend the entire time
3: It's so good. And she's really, you know, that's an actress because I think if anybody that's into this genre, everybody's heard of Serena and and rightfully so. But like Christina Schaefer doesn't get mentioned as much, but she really should because she's also in Bob Chin's uh, Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls. (laughs) But that movie is a lot of fun. It's really cute. Um, It's got a anthropomorphic man chicken that's going around sexually assaulting people. That is legit plot. And it's but it's done really lighthearted. So I mean... If you're triggered by that, I, I understand it. But it's really, <laughs> you know, it's a chicken man. I mean, it's not going to happen in real life. Let's let's hope. God, the way the way the last few years have gone, that's all we need is like, well, there's a new race of rapists, and they're also chicken.
6: You know what? Uh, what scene I love in Teenage Cruisers is the the nude bake off championship, and it, it it's you know again like this is a plotless movie, but it's almost like. Uh, Johnny was looking around, like say he had a storage unit, and he's like, "I have this surplus of canned whipped cream. What can we do with this?" And he's like, oh, "I have an idea. We're gonna we're gonna have two naked women up on stage, and they're making banana cream pies, and uh, you know, shaving bananas off, and then sh- and then with the whipped cream filling in the the pie tin with the whipped cream, and then it turns into this disgusting. I remember when I was going to summer camp, and one time we had a water balloon fight, but then it turned into a whipped cream fight for some reason. And it was disgusting. Like, and you know, we're already disgusting, like middle school kids. And so that's all I'm picturing here in this scene is these two poor women, like getting whipped cream, like up their butts and their vaginas, like in every orifice ever. But they're having, uh, again, looks like they're having a good time. And here's an ironic thing. I I thought was funny. Uh, Jeanette Dilger, plays butch the the one they call butch uh, between those two she was also in American Graffiti
3: the connective tissue uh, that's right I have to say and I believe they <laughs> they said her full name was Butch von Dyke <laughs> oh, yes yes <laughs> and I I love Butch she's like a, she seriously is like adjacent to the character Mo from Desperate Living. Cause like she's got like the host will say something kind of smarmy and she gives him the finger and then like her, the other girl tries to say something and she's like, that little something like that little Miss Innocent act doesn't fool me. Ho, like she calls her a hoe. <laughs> I, I wish we, we would have had a little bit more Butch von Dyke in this,
6: but yeah, you know. I agree. And w- what's super funny is that like he's, you know, he cuts to crowd scenes and it's just like stock footage of. Like, where the hell, like, at the Coliseum or something, like, some huge, like, thousands of people crowd watching the Nude Bake Off Championship.
3: And it looks like it's from, like, Woodstock or Altamont. Yeah, exactly. Well, not Altamont, but...
6: (laughs) 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 And then then they invite them up, up on stage. He's like, everybody, come on up. And one dude... Like, it, you know, it looks like the crowd's running forward, but they have, you know, it's like the gaffer. He's like, mm. take your, take your shorts off. Run up here real quick.
3: And he looks scared. Uh, uh, <laughs> he you know, get that close, but he looks frightened. <laughs> yeah, I would be terrified. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You notice insatiability is a big theme in this movie because, because Serena's obsessed with Johnny. Like, she's literally masturbating in her friend's car. At one point, her friend hands her a drill. Uh, uh, yeah, thank God we don't see the insertion, but you, you just see Serena like, ah oh, ah oh, like that.
2: And-, and you hear the noise again. <laughs>
6: <laughs> one how she's moving, like, poor Serena is, like, gyrating, like, like head banging like crazy in the front seat. And it's so funny.
2: And you've got those two guys that are cruising around and they keep hitting on people like they're hitting on Serena and her friend. Or he's sitting on the one woman that's alone in the car and then the German shepherd pops up. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. That, that had me roaring. I, that's that, one one of two
6: animal instances in this movie, believe it or not, folks.
3: I have to say, one of the guys, before we get to the second animal, <laughs> one of those guys, the dark-haired guy, is um, Colin Whiskey, who was in, aka, I believe his nickname was Roland Colin Whiskey, and he was in uh, Johnny Lynch's one of his bands. You know, he has a musical number later, and he's in the Rockabilly Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah, I was very surprised when, because towards the end of this film, it basically a rockabilly concert breaks out. And the first number, I think, is Johnny singing. But yeah, you can see the one guy. I'm like, hey, that's the guy who's been cruising around all night before he even gets up there and sings.
3: With his little rad stash. Like, he's got that little, like, oh, he's like, he, that guy has so much style. It's like, oh, I like this guy. Um, yeah, the German Shepherd. But the
6: second, we must... Oh my god. I no. I got a little nervous for I was like holy shit what is Mike having me watch? Oh my god. Thank god we don't see, you know, the act but oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, this isn't Emmanuel
3: in America. You're you're, <laughs> you're you're safe.
2: The second time they do that and the ventriloquist dummy shows up and then flicks a switchblade. <laughs>
6: <laughs> There's like a truly like slapstick you know level of humor in this where i mean i i honestly i feel like aside from like the hardcore sex scenes this is w- one of the funniest movies i've seen all year so far it's so funny the the level of humor and i can't imagine like johnny came in with a a f- full script right i mean isn't it just kind of just on the go have an idea pop in your head and say, Hey, do this or you one of the actors, like, Oh, I have an idea and they just roll with it. And it's and it's so freaking funny.
3: The scene that made Anthony nervous. Now, Anthony, in your defense, when I first saw this movie, and I had no spoilers going into it, I was like, you know, when you, you're you almost like afraid you're going to see something you don't want to, and your heart gets a little faster, and I'm like, oh, but then it ends up having the greatest gag because, and of course, it's at Rudy's establishment, which I think it's called like Trixie's, Trixie's Blue Boutique. Blue Boutique, yeah. And our, our two young guys that can't get any quote unquote, cruising pussy or whatever they call it. They go in there, and you think it's going to be basically like a donkey. Like, Rudy says, we got a donkey show. And it cuts to a film where this lovely lady's grooming a donkey, a puro, if you will.
2: Takes so, long.
3: It's, the so l- long. it's the longest scene in the movie. Like, shit, the sex scenes aren't even this long. And finally, then she starts getting undressing, and you're like, oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> but then she, like, lays down, and then come hithers, and then you see the little donkey, like, approach and then the greatest twist of all and i'm gonna spoil it because fuck it it's so good like you you see that all of a sudden the people watching it are a variety of horses and donkeys and that short was made at the spawn ranch which makes it even more just kind oh my of my god like,
5: yeah.
3: <laughs>
6: have
2: a wow. day the family that wasn't in jail was handling the donkeys <laughs>
6: Oh, God. so squeaky! Squeaky was the handler for teenage cruisers. I bet but she yeah. was
3: wonderful with that donkey. Though. Oh, yeah. I'm
6: sure she yeah. was. They want their money back, but then Papa Legend he says, uh, "Give me some more money. Uh, take another shot." Or was it? Yeah, and then and then they go back in for the scene that you alluded to, Heather. Like the Shakespearean, like super proper talking people, and it is uh, I, I th- like the whole. All the dialogue for this sex scene is hysterical, but I, I could only really write down one. My cum juice is spewing forth in great surges. And like, like, they're, you know, they're not moaning. They're not into it. It's all just kind of coming out very monotone, very flat. Uh, can you imagine trying to keep a straight face like these? These two people trying to simulate like they're fucking and saying these lines and not dying of hysterics.
3: Oh, God, the best part is when they're actually having sex, and she and she just said something like, I've never felt such great ecstasy in my life.
6: She's so into it, yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, my God. And he's got a jail tat. I don't know. He's got that, there's that kind of shitty jail tat you see in early, like, Bat Pussy's the best example of this, uh, where he's got one of those tats. I'm like, what is his story? Now, I will say, Christina Schaefer has a very cute tattoo of a little kitty cat. Did you guys notice that? Like a little black kitty cat. It was so cute. And it looked well done, too. You go, girl. That's, I love her.
2: (laughs) And you've got our two guys kind of doing like an early MST3K over it, ripping on the people in the movie. I was like, oh, that kind of works. You know, I was glad that they had that extra voiceover.
6: That's true. That's not stage laughter. Like they're actually, you know, I think they are probably just playing that as a gag, like coming up with lines and, and, and shooting them out. And they're actually laughing, which again, is so funny. Okay. So backtrack a little bit when what's her name? Babsy starts her molestation of the professor and, or or maybe it's the second time. Cause his, the first time he comes like, and it's like a, it's all over the ceiling and then drips down on her Right. So maybe it's the second time she starts giving him head and, and like the, she, she, she puts on like a, a little, uh, like PSA 45 record and it's so so funny uh, uh and like one of the lines it says wink your eye to it like the sweet kiss of the morning butterfly you're getting to know each other and she like pauses for a minute and she's like okay and like like flicks her eyelashes at the at his penis the most absurd shit in this movie and it's it's glorious
3: well you think about it, that scene predates uh Kentucky Fried Movie which has that great scene with Big Jim Slade <laughs> I love Fix of Slade, which has Jack Baker in it, who would go on to be in New Wave Hookers. So, such a cool world.
2: And it kind of foreshadows, because that record starts to skip, and she just keeps giving him head and giving him head, like, so intensely that he pretty much explodes, and there's come come quote-unquote, pours all over the record and all over, and it's just like, okay, well, this is I think that was the start of the carnation,
6: they had one squeeze bottle for that scene and then they had buckets upon buckets for Serena.
3: Oh my god, did they have Costco's back then? For like, <laughs> Serena is an absolute trooper. This this woman, I mean she's gorgeous, she's a great actress. I love I love seeing her in anything. You know, even if it's just like a small role, she just has that radiance and she has the gusto. This whole film is just gusto, personified anyways, but when she finally meets Johnny, which is played by her then real-life husband, I think his name's John Galt, who was also... He was with her in Abduction of Lorelei too, so I know he was at least in those two films with her, um, but his little reactions to copiously ejaculating on her crack me up, because he's just got this kind of nice little smug, like he'll just kind of move his shoulders a little bit, like, yeah. That's a, here's a leader, you know, and and I had and my husband behind me being like, oh, she's into ropes, oh, <laughs> oh, that line grosses me out Ooh, so ropes. much. Oh, do you ever have something to make you laugh and throw up at the same time? That's what that line does to me. Well, I, I remember
6: hearing that for the first time when I was watching Greasy Strangler, where the old guy he's like, uh, you know, I I shoot like three ropes, and I'm like, ropes ropes. Oh my god, ropes. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm into ropes.
5: Oh. <laughs> you're
3: you're laughing as part of you ties inside.
2: It it's a one man bukkake scene. It's just wild. Talking about my wife again. She's
6: starting to realize like when I'm watching like a lot of these golden age titles, it, they're not pleasurable. <laughs> Like they're, they're weird. They are funny. And, you know, I, I don't know if, are they meant to like be pleasurable? Because I'm not like, especially teenage cruisers. I was watching like, I don't find this sexy at all. Maybe I'm just dead inside. I don't know. I was having a great time. Don't get me wrong. But I was like, yeah, this is, this is, I mean, so absurd and silly that there's no way I'd be like, oh, I'm so hot right now. I-, I wasn't hot at all. It's very cold, actually.
3: One of the reasons I love so many of these films is specifically and precisely kind of what you're touching upon because you had a lot of directors, you know, who were real directors. They wanted to make, they, you know, wanted to explore ideas and explore cinema. And the thing is, like, if you're, especially if you're starting out, nobody's going to hand you money for making an art film, or very rarely. But if you're making something that's got nudity and sex in it, you can get funding for that. And and also, you're talking about a, a countercultural time where people, you had that spirit of rebellion, and that spirit of free love, and that spirit of also just being like, well, if we can, ex- if we're going to honestly explore facets of life, sex is a part of life. I mean, how that's how we're all here. So, um, so I just I think you had such a such a potent time. I mean, you know, and, and not everything's classic from the classic days. There's a, I mean, it's like anything else in life. There's a lot of horrible films I won't recommend, but this isn't one of them. And you know, it's it's and I, and I love that. I love I love being surprised. You know, it's kind of like if you meet somebody and they look like a Mary Kay salesperson, but all of a sudden they start to, like talking to you about like Aleister Crowley and and also how much they love pumpkin pie at the same time, and you're like, whoa, whoa, this is not the person I. Expected, but you kind of dig it you're like i love that i love you know we're we're surrounded by so much mundane shit in life especially with film and it's just in general so when you have somebody that like kind of loves you enough to give you something different that's like the valentine you're like oh okay i'm i'm loved the universe isn't isn't awful there's actually some really good magic out there
6: and like, be brave enough to take chances and be weird. So like the the sort of, you know, bookends of the movie with Willie, the beginning part is, is, is more along the lines of the absurd, silly portions. But the ending is like, talk about an art film, like it gets really weird and dark. And it's like, what, what the hell are we doing here? Which, was no detriment to the film. It was super interesting, but it was like Johnny going out, or or maybe who, who maybe whoever's idea it was, but going out and trying to do something kind of different and weird. They're like, okay, we have this much film left, and we have you know a you know a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks. Let's go out and kind of shoot this weird ending with Willie. That is incredibly interesting again it's a plotless film this doesn't have anything to do with the plot really but it's it's still interesting and fun to look at
2: it talks about the rockabilly concert at the end he's one of the singers right he gets up and does a song but he's like looking at himself in the distance i mean it was just a really weird thing where he's watching but the guy on stage i think is the actor that plays willie
3: yeah it's while it's wild man tony Khan. And he is, oh. oh my God. It's so great. Cause you're like, holy shit. Willie's like awesome now. And he's got that leopard skin jacket and he's got all of that rock and roll gravitas. Like, yeah. And, um, but not everybody catches that. Cause actually, uh, Chuck and he's seen this before cause we, he watched it with me when I first got it. We were rewatching it. And then like the third rewatch, he was like, holy shit. (laughs) It's Willie. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But no, there is like such a cool thing. And you keep having that image of like this really beautiful kind of graffiti kind of art of a skull. It looks kind of like Vincent Price from uh, Madhouse, the black hat and everything. And so you sort of have this repeated image of death. And, And like you, Anthony, I was like, wow, that is kind of dark, but it, I don't know, everything in this film is such a ride. And it's never boring and so you're just kinda like, okay, it's gonna get dark and um and the the whole concert's great though. Babsy hooks up with a saxophonist who play who wails mid coitus.
2: I love when she's at I think uh the window of Willie's car and is snapping, which is great. But she sees these oil derrick's or these oil drills and she sees that pumping motion and the last thing you hear from Babsy is her scream, because I think she just got drilled.
6: And the person, the sax man, one of these guys was a teacher, I think, is what Johnny was saying. And he said, we got to change my name because I'll lose my job. I can't remember which one it was, but it was, you know, a, a semi prevalent role in the film. And, you know, he said, I, we can't. And they had already gone to print and everything. and said, you got to change my name. I'm going to lose my job for this thing. You know, going back to the family affair, it's just Johnny bringing his literal family together and then his friends, his musicians, and that that kind of third act or the the you know, the quarter half or quarter end of the the film is like this concert and the one thing being a, an upright bass player myself, I was missing the upright bass. They didn't have one there. So I was a little hurt, but You know, listening to the soundtrack a dozen times, of course, that's what they're playing, and, you know, they're kind of, you know, the weed whacker strings and slapping and everything. The music is so great, and not many movies, and I think we can all be in agreement here, not many movies we feel like need a little bit more. We want more in this world. I wanted like, you know, two more bands. Give me, like, four more songs, two more from from two different bands because it was such a fun ending to the movie, but it really wasn't the ending. We get that super weird thing with Willie. You know, I wanted more from this movie. I just had so much fun with it. Can we talk about John Holmes for a minute?
2: (laughs) Sure thing. Always. So I mean, yeah, pretty much any conversation that starts off with that question. (laughs) The answer is yes.
6: He's billed in this. Is he one of the guys that, fucks at the
2: pool or is he the guy he's the guy that fucks he's the primary fucker at the pool
6: okay under the underwater fucker yes. he's the one
3: with the huge hog leg anthony yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> i'm sorry
6: <laughs> just i was like how did they get him in, in this like like john i need you to come and fuck for 10 minutes you know he's lives <laughs>
3: Was, that was one of the the stag loops that uh, legend that Johnny acquired. Like that was actually shot pre Deep Throat, like that loop. And you can tell because he looks super. I mean, he looks younger there than he does in any of the Johnny Wad movies. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a nerd, but like, <laughs> I'm like his hair looks a little different. You can tell, like,
2: yeah, well, no mustache like I, either.
6: Oh, and see, right. that's why I didn't recognize him because the the dude who's at the other end of the pool, like by alone or wherever he is I thought that was John Holmes just because of the mustache and he kind of has the you know the John Holmes nose kind of the pointy nose but I was like is that him but we don't see his dick I would think if John like if they're going to bill him we're going to see John Holmes dick Uh, but then they do have that one underwater shot and I'm like that's John Holmes dick right there
3: (laughs) because usually you can tell when you're like damn right (laughs) yeah (laughs) Like whoa. <laughs> oh, it's Sean Holmes. Okay,
6: that makes sense.
2: <laughs> the thing that I really like about this film too is that it actually they really pay attention to time and it really feels like there's a moment when it and uh Johnny Legend does this whole thing like are you ready over here? Are you ready over there? And just uh, has this whole patter that he does.
4: Here comes the KRUZ countdown. Okay. Are you ready? down on some heavy sounds. Can you hear me down an old skid row? Are you ready in the chicken coop? In the temple of God. Can you hear me in the Amazon? Called in a rush hour. the end of the line. I quit. Can you hear me in Gohanza land? On Dead Man's Curve. Can you hear me, Babsy? (laughs) Are you ready, Rudy? Drop dead. Are you with me, Mama? (sighs) As the sun goes down. We be covering ground the night is young and we're tired of losing so come on everybody and let's get cruising
2: and that basically seems to begin the cruising it's like we started mid-morning afternoon with serena and then we kind of move into okay now we're all going to go cruising on what van nuys boulevard or whatever it is and then towards the end You know, you get to see, like, the city streets are empty. You know, we are done for the night. And you just get that shot of the back of the van with all the cum coming out of it. And But he has really paid attention to when things are supposed to be taking place, which in a low-budget gonzo-type movie like this, it's like, all right, you know, who gives a shit? But he actually has a very well-put-together structure for it.
3: Oh, God, I love I love all of his stage patter, or so I guess that stage patter, radio. Oh, God, that whole thing, and especially with Rudy, where he's like, Can you hear me, Rudy? And then Rudy's like, Drop dead. Like, <laughs> 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 they like, Can you hear me, Babsy? And then she's like, Ah! Like, she's like, it's just like feral.
6: It's like the, the cruisers all kind of met up. They congregated. They start at the like In-N-Out Burger. Is it In-N-Out? Or, or Jack in the Box, whichever one it was. And it reminded me when I was a kid in the, the town that I grew up in, our main drag, like all the high school kids would go cruising, not in the way they do it in this movie, but they would meet at the McDonald's and then they'd, you know, form their big train and like cruise down Broadway and kind of block traffic and then come back and all recongregate at the McDonald's. But I was like, it, it that just seemed like, I mean, an obvious thing that like, this is what people actually did. I especially imagine that it it really did happen on Van Nuys, you know, in the valley there where they are, is it in the, is Van Nuys in the valley? I don't know LA, but they, they all kind of congregate and we see like the brick wall of supposed to be in and out and the cars go one way and then they come back and it goes the other way. And then they meet up for the. For the big rockabilly concert at the end, and then to me, I'm thinking this sounds like a really great day. It sounds like
2: a really fun time. Heather, did you go cruising when you were your uh, teenager?
3: Uh, no, I was a nerd. <laughs> I was a big old drama English nerd. So, I mean, the closest we went is my 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 friends and I would drive like drive to a. This is God. This is embarrassing. To like a local coffee shop. And I, and for spoken word night, yes. And, uh, and poor, poor denizens had to hear my anguished teenage depressing goth poetry.
1: Wow.
3: (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize to all the people in the past that had, the guy that ran the shop was super nice though. He was, he was always like, he's like, you did a good job, kid. (laughs) <laughs> like,
2: that's so nice, but yeah. We would always do stuff ironically, so all the kids would go down to Elizabeth Park or to Biddle uh, Avenue down in Wyandotte, and they would do their cruising things, and we would go down just to make fun of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great uh, video that my friend Leon made where I think it's like last day of high school kind of thing. And he uh, we went to Elizabeth Park and you get to see like what it was like on the loop there and stuff. It's I'm so glad that he kept that. And I think he even posted it on YouTube because it's just like, oh, my God, the fashions and the music and all that from 1990. It's like, oh, boy, this is such a time (laughs) capsule. (laughs) Got those kids with the really low trucks and the big base that was like when the base thing was starting
6: yeah by the time i got into high school the local police had shut that down so like i never even got to either partake or go down and make fun of them i would have probably been you know the the coffee shop poetry reading type that's what i did yeah by the time we could cruise it was illegal in our town so too bad i didn't get to experience it
3: yeah, a cab. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, do you guys think this would make a good pairing with Van Nuys Boulevard, the the movie? Because it's been years since I've seen that, but I remember that being involving a lot of cruising, not rockabilly so much, but it being a lot of fun. I don't. You have that character. Was it nobody talks to Chooch that way? Is there a guy named Chooch in it? Like,
2: God, I know I've seen that movie, but it's been so long I've completely forgotten it
3: same i need to rewatch it i remember it being a lot of fun though but not nearly as fun as, as teenage cruisers though so.
2: so let's go ahead and take a break and we're going to play an interview with serena who plays serena in the film and we'll be back with that right after these brief messages
1: sick of those trivia podcasts that you don't even understand how to operate and they just have too many levers and buttons
2: there's got to be a better way
1: Now there is, with Good Job Brain, an offbeat quiz show and trivia podcast that makes learning new things easy and fun.
3: I just learned that artificial vanilla flavoring sometimes comes from the anal glands of a beaver, and now I can never shake that mental image? Thanks, Good Job Brain.
1: Good Job Brain is available for the low price of just four easy payments of free. It's a podcast.
0: Good Job Brain is part of Airwave Media and available on all podcast apps. Operators are standing by. Let me ask you a question. Are you getting enough? I bet you'd love more, right? Well, AdamNeed.com wants to give you more with 10 free gifts. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, a specially selected toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. So what do you have to do to get your 10 free gifts? It's not hard. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code BOOTH at checkout, and you'll get all 10 free gifts. Go check out adamandeve.com today, select one item, and get 10 free gifts, including free shipping, when you enter offer code BOOTH. That's B-O-O-T-H at adamandeve.com.
2: The high-octane thriller Run and Gun is now streaming on Redbox. After he's blackmailed into one last job for the mob, an ex-criminal must face his violent past to protect his family when a deadly double-cross puts him on the run from ruthless assassins. He's not a bad guy. He's just having a bad day. Stream Run and Gun instantly on Redbox On Demand today. Rated R from Paramount Pictures.
6: I'm Chris Cooling from Forgotten TV and you're listening to The Projection Booth, the
2: ultimate movie podcast. Welcome to the interview portion of the show. I am talking with Serena Zarnacki, the author of Bright Lights Lonely Nights, The Memories of Serena, porn star pioneer of the 1970s. Now usually when I talk with somebody I ask them how they got their start in the business, but Serena, you definitely covered that so well in your book when you went into a completely new industry putting yourself out there so much as an adult star was there just no fear or were you into it just that much
7: I'd been raised pretty liberally I don't know I love to pose I was just a natural model I don't know I wasn't ashamed of my body I just it wasn't even my thoughts <laughs> I started out doing a lot of modeling. And in fact, I've been in Playboy four times, they tell me.
2: <laughs> yes, you seem to hit up so many magazines. You just work with a plethora of photographers.
7: No, it's true. <laughs> lots and lots. Finally, I got overshot. <laughs> and uh, then I started wearing wigs and posing again for the same people, or wearing glasses, or, or even shaved my puss for somebody one time. They paid me extra for that. <laughs> I'm happily bushy under my pits and in my crotch. <laughs> I've never liked shaving. And my legs. I don't shave my legs because I'm blonde. Maybe that's a good thing.
2: <laughs> How did you come up with some of the pseudonyms you used back in the early days?
7: Jen Gillian I used one time for um Wee magazine. And Jen, I don't really remember. <laughs> where that came from but um gillian was my favorite singer at the time he was in um deep purple
2: oh right ian gillian
7: yeah yeah so i loved his singing and i wanted to name myself that for that shoot which of course my parents saw and it was <laughs> it wasn't a good thing mostly now i'm just serena <laughs> <dot com. laughs>
2: What were some of those early roles like for you, and how did you balance between acting and intercourse?
7: When I first started in X-rated films, I guess I was usually with my husband at the time, Thomas. And, in fact, in Teenage Cruisers, he's Johnny, who I'm waiting for. He and I were married and had a child who's the love of my life, the diamond in my eye, Lucy, Just sort of grew from there. He he was okay with me uh, making the movies, and and so I made a lot of them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you were turning out what like eight, ten films a year for a while.
7: I remember um, I was so proud when I stopped making eight millimeter loops, and then I went to sixteen millimeter, and then finally movies were shot in thirty five millimeter, which was like a a big deal.
2: What were some of your favorite roles to do over the years?
7: Well, my favorite movie of all time truly is Teenage Cruisers, because it's hilarious. And it was funny. And I don't even perform X-rated sex in it. So I'm even R-rated in that movie. But I I love it so much. It's it's the one I always come back to. I like Ecstasy Girls. Gosh, there's so many. Um, (laughs) I... Liked working with Jamie a lot, Jamie Gillis, who I lived with. I went to New York for like a week to, to perform at Show World, and I stayed two years because I met Jamie Gillis. <laughs> and he and I performed in a lot of good movies together.
2: I definitely want to know more about your experience working with Johnny Legend on Teenage Cruisers.
7: Right. Well, I didn't know him at the time as Johnny Legend. I had a agent named Bill Margold. And he put me in touch with this guy named Martin Margulies. And so I had Margulies and Marigold, or I always called him Marigold. <laughs> His name was Margold, but I always called him Marigold. <laughs> so they were like my two friends in the in the business at the time. Have you read Bright Lights, Lonely Nights?
2: I have. It's fantastic.
7: Oh, thank you so much. It's kind of my memory book. Because I was trying to recover from a coma that I put myself in by jumping off a mountain. Anyway, I had this month-long coma. And when I came out, I was trying to remember things. And I still don't remember a lot of things. A lot of it just got blocked out cause with like amnesia. I wrote that book to try to to recall memories. So I always call it my memory book. My best book, though, i got to tell you, there's Backstage Girls, which I wrote about the O'Farrell Theater here in San Francisco, which was kind of infamous because it was run by the Mitchell brothers, and one of the brothers killed the other brother. Anyway, I wrote this book called Backstage Girls about my headlining that theater, and then... I came up with a second book called Polk Street, which is where I lived while I was performing at the Mitchell Brothers Theater, and then I'm just about to publish another book, which is like the third in the set of the, of those books, so it'll be like a set, and the new one's called Songs of the Silence, out soon. <laughs> We're still working on it. It's got lots and lots of pictures. <laughs>
2: It sounds like Johnny Legend was quite a character.
7: Oh good grief. <laughs> Indeed he was. He is, I assume. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Legend, oh boy. He's totally into Rockabilly and we made a Rockabilly X rated movie <laughs> together. He was just he was a character. And he had his sister, I think, in the movie. And she was fun to be with as well. <laughs> she does I think she does the bake off in the movie that's like a hysterical scene
2: it's just such a fun and weird movie
7: it's hilarious i that's why i'm always when i can promoting it it's just a weird combination out of johnny legend's mind <laughs> because um it was kind of patched together he did like movies with me and with his sister but then There's like John Holmes in a swimming pool, getting it on with other women, and that he didn't shoot. Somebody else shot that, and they just stuck it in the movie to have some X rating. (laughs) It was a patchwork, but it really comes off funny. People used to cruise, I guess it was Van Nuys Boulevard. It was like a thing on Saturday night to go cruising in your cars, in your weird cars, and your funny cars, and all kinds of cars. It was the thing to do, to be seen and to cruise.
2: What else do you remember about the shooting of the film?
7: I remember being in my own panel truck that my husband owned and just having gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons of sperm (laughs) drip over me, which was not really sperm, but, you know. (laughs) Whatever they use for sperm, my, milk and something to thicken it up. Thick, to thicken it, up.
2: <laughs> it kind of looks like that might have gotten old after a while.
7: Well, we we shot quick. <laughs> it was funny to me at the time, so I put up with a lot of stuff for for my craft.
2: <laughs> with a film like that, where were things being shown at, and did they have premieres?
7: There were premieres at the Pussycat Theaters, I guess. I'm not sure I ever went to a premiere of my own movie, however.
2: Did you actually see yourself up on the big screen at some point?
7: Oh, I did. And I was larger than life on the screen, for sure. (laughs) Seeing yourself like that, it is definitely odd. They used to show movies at the Mitchell Brothers Theater, and I'd see myself there on the screen. I don't know. I can't can't describe the feeling. It's weird. For sure.
2: I think I've only had the pleasure of seeing one of your films projected on the big screen, Disco Dolls and Hot Skin.
7: Yes, yes, yes. That was quote-unquote 3D. That was the the one movie I did do in 3D. So, you know, Marilyn Monroe did a 3D movie because they thought they needed a gimmick, but she was so good that they ended up not releasing it in 3D.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know you have a real spiritual connection to her.
7: I did. I don't well, yeah. I was always called Marilyn Toureau as a kid. <laughs> for some reason I couldn't pronounce Monroe. <laughs> you
2: talked about how Teenage Cruisers was kind of a patchwork film. Did that ever happen to you having some of your loops say cobbled together without your knowledge?
7: Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't we didn't get residuals for any of the movies or really know much about how they got released. We were just a cattle call, <laughs> pretty much.
2: How did the introduction of VHS affect you?
7: Some people say video ruined the movie business, I guess. I don't care one way or the other because I'm not acting in movies anymore and haven't been for years and years. I never shot on video, I don't think, and a lot of people did. I was like kind of before before that, so they did turn my movies uh, into videos eventually.
2: What brought about your decision to leave the business?
7: Probably John Holmes rumored to be having AIDS. AIDS in the 80s closed me up. That ended it because I was too afraid to eat. I was too afraid. In fact, because of John Holmes, they said had AIDS. I went and got myself tested because I don't know. So that that closed down. The business for me.
2: <laughs> what did you end up doing after that?
7: Becoming what I've always wanted to be, which is an artist. <laughs> so I painted for years, and uh, then I started writing and found that to be creative. I don't know. I think I have six books, something like that. But I still do erotic drawings and um, paint when I can and do pastels and. <laughs> You know, whatever medium is at hand I work at. <laughs> at the time, in the 70s, I considered my movies like my art. I guess I've always been an artist. I think I sold my first painting when I was like four years old <laughs> in Hawaii. I remember I remember the painting. And my dad and I were sitting at a sushi bar, and he said to the guy next to him, because my dad was always chatty, with everybody. He said, Oh, look what my daughter did. And he ended up selling this painting of mine. <laughs> it was funny. Anyway, I've always, I've always liked doing artwork. So I've always, you know, been an artist and whatever. Like right now, and de- what happened during COVID for me, uh, was that I turned, um, into, turned to hooking rugs. And my rugs, I hope people go to my website and um go to my Etsy shop, which I have now, and see my rugs, because my rugs are like, I spend all my time hooking rugs, <laughs> other than watching TV and taking walks and, you know, eating. <laughs> I've made a lot of rugs, but they're really beautiful, and they're real cushy, and they're very, very colorful. <laughs>
2: Ms. Zarnicki, thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure talking with you.
7: Oh my gosh, you're amazing. Well, that was easy.
2: We're talking about young, hot, and nasty teenage cruisers. You guys have referenced a commentary track. I tried to buy this on DVD so I could get that commentary track. It just seems like it's gone. And as I'm looking for it, I read this story from, I think for the New York Post from 2008, where Warner Brothers was uh, carrying this in their catalog, but then uh, all of a sudden, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, how dare you carry porn? And so Warner Brothers just dropped it immediately. And now, like, it's difficult to find. Where did you guys get your copy at?
3: Back in the MySpace days, I mean, I, Johnny Legend was offering a limited time deal where you could buy buy it. And um, to the listeners, I, I got to show uh, before we start recording, my Mike and Anthony, my autographed Teenage Cruisers poster, which is super rad i'm so excited to have that so but i got like a bundle like i paid johnny legend directly for the teenage cruisers dvd the poster and a copy of this film nympho libre and so that's how i got mine i remember hearing that there was like shortly thereafter some kind of kerfluffle about having distribution issues because of the explicit content which is ridiculous i'm sorry like but yeah i don't know anthony how'd you
6: get to see it I've just heard interviews with Johnny, so that's how I've heard these stories about the making of this, but the internet streaming on certain sites.
3: I need to figure out how to, like, rip this, you know, because I'm not as savvy with that kind of thing, but because the DVD, though, is brimming with extras like there's several there's like interviews with uh, Bill Margold there's a segment where Margold and, and Johnny walk around the Hollywood strip and ta- have stories there's interviews with Billy Zoom which that's something thing we didn't mention one of the musicians that's on the soundtrack is Billy Zoom who would go on to being best known as the guitarist for X yeah, you know, so you have like it's ton I don't know why it hasn't been released though. Because now, I mean, we live in an era where you have like all these great companies like Vinegar Syndrome, uh, among others. They're not the only ones that are releasing and getting really good distribution on films that happen to have explicit sex in it, and films that are way more honestly raunchy than this. This film isn't really that raunchy at all. Like, no. if if you bought this movie hoping to have a little one hand party. I, I think you're going to be probably pretty disappointed, which is why I love it. I love the no hatters, but uh I would love to see it get a re-release, especially cuz the DVD like copy of it, the quality, it's not the best transfer in the world. I mean, it's fine, but you know, knowing what could be done with the print because uh, some of the films we've seen now, I mean, God, Alex Dorenzi's Pretty Peaches is in like beautiful Blu-ray, like it's in high def. I mean, whoever thought we'd get that? So surely, surely to God, this will come out with all those extras, especially because I mean, like we don't have Bill Margold with us anymore. So it'd be nice to, for those to get out there too, because Bill was such a great storyteller and and such a one of a kind personality.
6: And that Serena and Johnny are still around, like they they could participate in, in some sort of new release. And you know, Vinegar Syndrome would put so much love into this thing. It it is strange. Like, wherever the rights, you know, if Warner Brothers does still legally own it, you know, it's sent it through the paper shredder, probably, and and burned the strips. Uh, Or if if it reverted back to Johnny and, like, he owns it outright, which would be nice. But you'd think at this point, if he did, maybe we would have a a decent release for it. but. Who knows?
3: I wonder if there's also maybe some music issues, too, because that's always the problem with any films that have different bands on it is sometimes, I don't know. I mean, given that most of this music is from Legend himself, I kind of doubt that with this one, though. But, um, you know, I don't know. Let's hope. I mean, stranger things have happened. I mean, we've seen films get really nice releases that I never I never would have thought in a million years we'd ever get. So let's knock on wood.
2: We got Other Side of the Wind, you know? I I, (laughs) never thought that one would ever come out, so anything is possible.
3: Exactly. exactly. (laughs) And yeah,
2: this is one of the few adult films that I was able to easily find the soundtrack for. That is out there like mad, and you can pick that up for a song these days on CD. Even on vinyl, you can find it pretty easily, which is great. I think I only have one other adult film soundtrack i mean i've got like some russ meyer compilations but i just that um uh opening a misty beethoven soundtrack that they put out which was just basically library music so but uh, yeah this having all of these great rockabilly songs and i mean i haven't said outright but i fucking love rockabilly so it was so great to have that as the soundtrack for this film and just i i I only knew of Johnny Legend because of his something weird video connection. I didn't even know that he was a musician. I mean, it made sense as soon as I heard it. I was like, oh yeah, when you look at the guy, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. He
6: claims that that it's, and I I wouldn't dispute him because it is early enough that this kind of super group that he started with his friends were kind of the resurgence of rockabilly, sort of that, you know, it's not the, you know, Reverend Horton Heat type of. Rockabilly, you know, Brian Seltzer or the, uh, or even like Psychobilly, like the brains or anything nowadays, but it's like that Jerry, Jerry Lee Lewis rockabilly that has sort of that seventies update to it. And he says that like him and his friends and their bands were kind of the beginning of that resurgence, which is really cool to listen to it because it isn't that, It isn't that kind of Psycho Billy sound. It's that old fashioned Jerry Lee Lewis sound, Great Balls of Fire, which is so listenable and so more universally loved than, say, like Reverend Horton Heat or something like that. And so the like this soundtrack is so great. I listened to it, like I said, a dozen times before recording because it's just so great. You can listen to it over and over.
3: When he's doing the roll call, and, and he shows the giant chicken statue, I, I didn't realize I'd be mentioning giant chicken so much in this uh, episode. But um, you hear like a sample and you hear that, ba-ba-bucky, and anybody that's a massive Cramps fan, which I am a huge Cramps fan, like I, the Cramps covered that song. Like and it's obviously from the original, but it's like you know you get to you know and the cramps kind of came around a different coasts, obviously, and slightly different, but very much from the same I think fertile ground that that legend and his crew came from, and and it's so cool, and and that's like a, a facet that people don't really when I talk about like seventies alternative like, I say alternative, I guess that word, people ruin terms. Why? When I say alternative, I mean, true alternative. I don't mean Bush, okay? <laughs> or Silverchair. But, um, you know, outside the mainstream, uh, because it's, you know, there's been like 8 million documentaries on old school punk. And I love old school punk. I mean, but, you know, what about the Rockabilly stuff? Because, yeah, I mean, you've got this stuff, you've got the cramps, of course, Robert Gordon, Link Ray had a resurgence in his career and actually did albums with Robert Gordon, uh, you know, as well as like, I mean, even guys like Chris Spedding kind of dabbled in it. So it's, it's such a neat, neat period of time. And, and this music, I mean, whew, this is one of the best soundtracks for, for my money.
2: I mean, it used to all get lumped under punk for a while, but then even that was just so unfair. Cause it's like, Okay, listen to the Ramones, listen to the Cramps, listen to Blondie, listen to Television, listen to the Talking Heads. You know, that's just five bands that I just randomly said. They sound so completely different. To think that Devo and Talking Heads could play back to back shows at CBGB's, you know, it's like what? (laughs) You know, can you get two more different bands, but they're all labeled under punk? You know, it's just, it's amazing.
3: Oh, God. Well, and even worse is then they would all of a sudden change the label. Oh, no, it's not punk. It's New Wave because New Wave wasn't as scary. It's like, oh, no, we're not angry. Like that awful punk. And even though half the bands were ones that were original, like you said, like Blondie, you know, Blondie was part of the punk scene. That was kind of cool thing though about OG punk is like, it was everybody sounded different. I mean, like suicide does not sound like the Dictator's. Yeah, but I love both. God, those are both great bands. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, and um and then you got and then you have things like, gosh, like I wanna like go on a deep dive on some of the, the musicians attached to this and like what other stuff do they have, you know?
2: I'm sure they've got some great forty fives out there.
3: Damn you, Discogs. Like,
2: <laughs> I know. I on a budget. <laughs> love and hate that site all at the same time. Same I've, I've had to order so many weird, random 45s just for songs to close out the show. Cause it's like, oh, hey, I didn't know that, uh, that song that was sung in, uh, Bella the See meets a Brooklyn Gorilla. I didn't know that that was available on a 45.
3: Oh, God. Hey, <laughs> I'm the one, I bought a French uh box set thankfully not it wasn't too expensive that was all themed around lester bangs
2: nice <laughs>
3: and i'm such a lester bangs girl. i was just like oh god now that i know this exists i <laughs> i must have <laughs> it but that's how they get you. yeah i think there's also a sound effect used in teenage cruisers from um oh god who sings transfusion
2: Oh, nervous, nervous. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That, that? That, yeah. That sounds like a
2: seal or something. Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's a much better. <laughs> me, me trying to replicate. I'm sorry, but uh, but yeah, it was like, oh god, I love nervous, nervous.
2: Yeah, though I, I heard a second nervous, nervous song, and I was just like, this is transfusion just with different words.
3: Oh god, is it a call? <laughs> yes, it is. It A-call. is a call. <laughs> ape call, deviata, ape call, deviata.
2: <laughs> All right, guys, let's take another break, and we're going to play a preview for next week's show. Oh.
5: <laughs> Little Holmes with his wonderful thirteen inches of pure, unadulterated, maddening ecstasy. You've never seen John filling the screen quite like this. And introducing Farrah Fawcett's lookalike, Rhonda Joe Petty, the hottest new star to ever hit the screen since Linda Lovelace.
2: What's your
5: name? Dusty. Dusty. Okay, Dusty, I'm Frank. Little Orphan Dusty is coming to this theater soon. Have you ever been in love before, Frankie? Just once. Little Orphan Dusty is a story of a great love between two people trapped in a triangle of hate, lust, and tender love. Watch John lead Orphan Dusty into a life of new experiences. A life beyond her wildest imagination. Will their love survive? Take
4: it off. I should take
5: it off. I'm gonna call the sheriff. No, don't call. That's right. That's right. It's ugly. I'm ugly. What did you do that for? Don't you do that. What are um. oh. oh. Frankie, Frankie, it all I mean. Watch uh. their love grow and grow and grow. Um. But is it big enough to overcome all obstacles? She's what four months pregnant.
4: Well, what do you think, baby? You like
5: it? I Is their love strong enough to survive? Can their marriage last? I'll take it all, mama. Really tickled. You like it? Tickles, huh? Yeah. I like yeah. hey. do.
4: Hey, you're going to jail, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Orphan Dusty, a new experience in passion, is coming to this theater soon.
2: That's right. We'll be back next week with a look at the Rhonda Joe Petty vehicle, Little Orphan Dusty, and the return of John Holmes. Until then, I want to thank this week's co-host, Heather and Anthony. Anthony, what is happening with you, sir?
6: I do a podcast called The Cult Movies Podcast, and you can find that on Twitter, at Movies Pod. And uh, we go through the Danny Perry books, and it's all about Danny Perry over there. So that's what I do.
2: And Heather, what about you? What's going on in your world?
3: Just the past few days on my website, MondoHeather.com, I have a new article up reviewing the 1974 film, The Wrestler, not to be confused with the Mickey Rourke film. And if you are a member of my Patreon, which is also MondoHeather, you get a sneak peek into uh, upcoming work, including a new tribute I've done to one of the greatest influences on my film writing, uh, the late, great Dewey
2: Webb. Well, thank you so much, guys, for being on the show. Thanks to everybody for listening. To inquire about advertising on The Projection Booth, email sales at advertisecast.com. Thanks especially to our Patreon community. If you want to join the community, visit patreon.com slash booth. Every donation we get helps The Projection Booth take over the world. <laughs>
4: For me, a woman, but she mighty hard to find. Lord, ask my country cousin, check the hottest spots in town. Oh, that little, little bit of woman, but she just ain't around. <laughs> But you never know do it i'm seeing a
5: feather
4: on my mind i said i'm looking for me a because of the worst thing in the
5: world. Lord, this little bitty woman, she just out of sight. Oh, 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 oh,
4: oh, oh. I'm gonna be lucky, just high and low. Don't wanna miss the sky, Keeping on the road. I said, wait, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch I need this little, little bitty woman, but you'll never know. if you